Wow, good morning, everybody. I just love it when the Lord turns up before you. <laughs> um, I wrote a whole bunch of notes, and um, I'll probably get to go through some of them, but this morning has just been a, an avalanche of the Lord just wanting to love on us. And, you know, the thing that I want to bring focus to today is that the Lord Jesus, when he died upon the cross and was resurrected, he has made the way for us to live above the darkness. And if you're not living above the darkness, you're living in deceit. You're living under the lies of the enemy because the darkness wants to keep us trapped in who we were before Jesus came and gave us life eternal. You get it? It's really, really important because for many years I lived in the darkness under the cloud because I thought I had to be good to be okay with God. And then I worked out that God loves me because he's good, not because I'm good. We've got to get that. We've got to understand that. That's a fundamental, that we are loved by God because he's good, not because we're good. We are not good enough in our own strength. But in Jesus Christ, we sit with him in the heavenly places. We are above the cloud of darkness that is hovering over the earth, which is the rule and reign of the prince of the power of the air. Have I said anything now that is new or that is different or that you don't believe? Put your hand up. Good. That means you all understand the truth of where we're supposed to live, above the darkness. Now, can I ask another leading question? Do you feel that your life is living above the darkness right now or do you feel like the darkness is pressing in over you? It's an honest question. Some will, some won't. How do you feel? Above the darkness or under it? I haven't told you which to put your hand up to, have I? <laughs> put it up. If you feel like the darkness is having a victory in your life, put your hand up. Well, the Lord wants to take you out from under that today because that's not where you live according to who Jesus says you are and who the Father says you are. But the enemy wants to keep lying to you about who you are. Back in 1987, which is a long time ago now, I went to the first vineyard conference in Australia and after a number of miracles and things happened, I said, Lord, what's all this mean? What do you want me to do? He said, David, I'm putting a calling on your life and that calling is to call the body to discipleship. And I said, Lord, I don't even know what that means. And I genuinely didn't because I'd been in the church all my life. I'd honoured the Lord. I'd taught and preached for years. But it was like, what's that? There was something about that that I knew was different from where I'd been. And the Lord started to show me that discipleship was about a relationship with Jesus, not about how good I was at doing stuff for him. But out of that relationship, he lit me up to do stuff for him that I couldn't have otherwise done. And it was just amazing how on the journey since then, how the Lord has just continued to turn light bulb on after light bulb on after light bulb on for me. And he still does it. He still does it. I get excited every day about what the new light bulb is for today. And I say, thank you, Lord, for the light bulb of today. And one of the funny little things about this week was that we had a meeting at Kirk and Nick's place the other week, and Kirk invited all those that get to speak, and he said, there's a, there's a, a thrust of what we want to be saying as a church. He said, I'd like you to, if you would please, send me notes about what you're going to preach about. Now, I've never done that. And um, I kind of, I came before the time, so, and I said, mate, I'll try. 
I'll try and I, I don't want to look to be excluded from this. Um, but know that the Lord usually doesn't give it to me till Saturday night or Sunday morning. So if you want it Friday, it could be just that. Anyway, I said, I'll, I'll work on it. Well, Thursday was a holiday, as you know. And the Lord was good to me Thursday and he gave me the whole message Thursday afternoon. So I was very clever yesterday. I sent Kirk a message and said, here's an outline of Sunday. And he said, that's great, Dad. I don't know whether you'll stick to it, but it looks great. Because <laughs> he knows that I kind of sometimes wander around depending on what the Lord is saying. But anyway, the message today is about how God has called us into a discipleship relationship with Jesus. We're living in the time between the times, the time between the resurrection of Jesus and the time when Jesus returns again. And in this time, he has given us the commission to be his representatives in the earth, to represent him as those who would carry the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God in the earth. We can't do that in our humanness, but we can do it in God's strength. Just as a matter of a little aside, again, when I was, um, the Lord spoils me. I just want to tell you some of the, the beautiful things the Lord does. Back in 2012, I was watching a show on television and um, in the middle of it, the Lord said, David, I want you to go to Israel and I want you to be baptised in the Jordan by a Jew. Oh, okay. Uh, that's pretty cool, Lord. I don't have any idea how that's going to happen. Anyway, some months later, there was... Um, a, a trip to Israel headed up by a guy called David Herzog from America, who's an American, but he's a Jew. Messianic Jew, I beg your pardon. Thank you, Carol. Yes, he's a Messianic Jew. He's a Christian, but he was born as a Jew. Anyway, so, and then there was a war in Israel. And so a lot of the people that were going on his tour pulled out. And somehow or other, through a miraculous turn of events, I was able to go on that tour. A turn of events and a blessing from other people because I wasn't in a position to take advantage of the opportunity. But at the last minute, like the day it was closing, I was able to ring up and make payment for the for the tour, and a ticket was arranged, and I went to Israel. And that was pretty cool in itself. I thought, "Wow, Lord, you're just blowing me away here." And then the first we got off the plane at Tel Aviv, and we got on a bus, and we went to. Tiberius, which is on the edge of the lake, Galilee. And so the next morning I get up, first morning in Israel, and my every day with Jesus, I opened it up, and it was Matthew 28, verse 18, where Jesus gives his commission to his disciples to, to be disciples. And that was the text that the Lord had spoken to me about, like back in 87 or 88. And it was like, wow. And it says, if you read the scripture, and I'm going to read it to you. Meanwhile, this is out of the message. Matthew 28, 18 to 16, it starts here in the message. The 11 disciples were on their way to Galilee, headed for the mountain Jesus had set for their reunion. And I looked out the window, and there's the mountain of the, right by the Sea of Galilee. And if you go there, there's not many hills. So there's, that had to be the mountain. I thought, wow, how cool is that? You know, this is the place where Jesus actually met with his disciples and he commissioned them. And it goes on and says, Jesus, oh, okay, and this is an interesting point. The moment they saw him, they worshipped him. 
some though held back, not sure about worship, about risking themselves totally. That's Eugene Peterson's way of explaining it. But look at this. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. You see, he knew that some of them were a bit wishy-washy, but that didn't stop him saying, this I'm speaking over you and to you. So you don't have to be front and centre, chest poked out, saying, I'm ready, Lord. You can be hanging back a bit going, I'm not so sure about this, but the Lord is ready to commission us. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. And this, listen to this. God, Father, authorised and commanded me to commission you. So Jesus is, he said, I don't do anything without checking with the Father. And so the Father has said to Jesus, I'm authorising you to commission these disciples of yours, even the ones that are sort of hanging back a little bit, Go out and train everyone you meet, far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I've commanded you and I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day right up until the end of the age. There I was reading it, living in the place of where it happened. It was just an amazing sense of God saying, See, David? I brought you here to bless you and just encourage you and tell you again, this is what I'm calling you to do, is to tell people about me and call them to live in what I have brought for them. And that's what I'm doing again this morning, I believe, according to how the Holy Spirit will lead us from here. This is who we are called to be as disciples of Jesus, as those who would tell people about him. But in this season after the cross... Oh, the other little aside was that the next day was where people were going to be baptised in the Jordan. And I'd been baptised as a child in the Methodist church and I'd never been fully immersed. I'd never thought about it, it never bothered me. I'd baptised many people by pushing them under and holding them down for a while. Done all of that, <clears throat> hundreds of people, but I'd never been done myself. And, so the, and it was really cool because the Lord said, I want you to be baptised in the Jordan by a Jew. David Herzog's a Jew. And he said... I was going to do the baptisms this morning, but I've decided I'll get somebody else to do it. And I thought, oh, fair enough, Lord, there must be another Jew here because you said I was going to be baptised by a Jew. So we get down to the river <coughs> and he said, oh, I'm going to do the baptisms after all. He said, has anyone here never been fully immersed yet? I was the only one to put my hand up. He said, right, you're first, come on in. And so the Lord had told me he was going to do this. I just let it flow and he did it. It was an amazing adventure and still to this day I go, I don't understand you Lord, you do things that are way outside of my ability to understand. The journey of discovery of what discipleship looks like for me has continued to this day. God has changed much of my theological understanding over the years, he's rewritten some of the fundamental understandings. He said to me one day, David, I'm going to lovingly deconstruct some of the things you've always stood on as truth. Oh, hang on a second, Lord, you know, I've been walking with you for 50 years. What do you mean you're going to change some of the foundations? He said, yeah. I went, oh, okay. Have I done the wrong thing? He said, no, I'm just going to show you some more of who I am. Okay, thank you, Lord. Siri doesn't understand. Well, I'll tell you later. <clears throat> That's what she just said to me. <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? 
The major focus change for me in all of this time is that Jesus is more and more the focus of my focus. By that I mean he is becoming for me who he always was, but I didn't necessarily see him as who he truly was, who he truly is and who he truly will be. And there's a couple of scriptures I want to share with you this morning as we go on from here. One is John 1. <clears throat> the very beginning of John's gospel. And this again is in the message. Please hear this. The word was first. This is Jesus. The word present to God. Present to the Father. And the Holy Spirit. The word was God. So Jesus was the word and Jesus was God. In readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through him. That's everything. Nothing, not one thing came into being without him. What came into existence was life. And the life was light to live by. We sang it this morning. It was declared over us this morning. Can you see how God's bringing us to a place of saying, I don't want you to miss this today. What came into existence was life and the life was light to live by. This part. The life light blazed out of the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. The darkness which is over the earth, which is the power of Satan and his angels faithful to him and all of the activities of the darkness. He is the prince of the power of the air and he is still has authority in the earth and over the earth. But we, as those who are born again in Jesus Christ, we live above that darkness. That's what Jesus established when he was resurrected. We stepped with him into the light. The picture that we had in the, in the prophetic word about a cloud, that cloud is over the cloud of darkness that's over the earth. The picture the Lord showed me when I was preparing this was, he said, David, look out the window. It's like I was in a plane. And when you're in a flight and you see all the cloud under you, it's just a, a platform of cloud. He said, that's the darkness covering the earth. The picture this morning was a cloud above that cloud. That's where we live. We live in the space that is in the light. This to me is profound. It is meant to be the truth that is at the core of every person. Because if it's not there as at the core of every person, then we are being robbed of the life abundant that Jesus has ordered for us and won for us. Now, I'm not saying that there's something wrong with you if you're not living in that space. I'm saying that the enemy is lying to you and keeping you under a, sh under a shroud of unbelief or under a shroud of lies that are making you feel like somehow you're not doing enough or somehow you're not good enough or somehow you're not smart enough. Those are all lies because in Jesus Christ you are above all of that. It's so important. It's so important. When Jesus said to the, to the troops, meet me at Galilee, you know how far it is from Tel Aviv to Tiberias? It's about 170 kilometres. And these guys didn't have freeways. They had to walk. And they would walk. According to Google, it's 31 and a half hours to walk from Tel Aviv, from, sorry, Jerusalem. 
She couldn't find 170 k's either. Siri's really having a good time with me this morning. So anyway, so Jesus said to the disciples, meet me back at Galilee, from Jerusalem to Galilee. Now, as you notice, they went down from Galilee, which is where a lot of their time was spent, to Jerusalem for the Passover. And Jerusalem was a good, you know, a few days walk. But that's where Jesus said to them, said to the, to the, uh, the ladies, tell the disciples to go back to Galilee and I'll meet them there. So no big deal. Sometime during that season that Jesus was still walking before as he commissioned them, he said, I want to see you back in Galilee. Now we know that they were also back in Jerusalem because he then said at the end of it, wait here until the power comes on you. So they were commissioned and then they were told to wait. So they were commissioned in Galilee and they were second no, there was another commissioning happened back in Jerusalem where they were told, hang on, wait here, and then you can go and do it. You see, God doesn't love us because we're good. God loves us because he's good all the time. He likes it when we're good. His love is not conditional upon our being good or right. That took me a lot of time to learn. And I'm still learning it. God's not conditional upon me being good or right. His love for me bypasses all of that his love is unconditional has been expressed in an explosive game-changing way on the cross Jesus died for all people to be able to come into a relationship with God the Father the door to that awesome relationship is Jesus he became the way open to the forever relationship with the Father a friend of mine in um, Canada and just lost her sister of you know she was in her 80s and she loved the lord and i just sent her a little message on facebook and i said donna i'm sorry to hear about your sister but i'm i'm praying that she'll continue to enjoy the communion she began with the lord on earth as she goes to be with him in in heaven and she said thank you i love that to continue the communion that's begun here on earth because that's what it is it's a communion with god because he's good the key point for today is that we embrace the resurrection season afresh and that the cross and Jesus' death on it showed God's unconditional love for all mankind. The resurrection shows the kingdom of God is now firmly, victoriously established in the earth. Not just with fingernails, but it's established. Jesus established it in the earth. It's never going to be overcome. It has overcome the darkness. Now we look at the earth and we see all these dramas going on around us and we go, wow, you know, Lord, would you turn your light on a bit stronger because there's a lot of darkness here. And there is. The word tells us it's going to happen. But the word also tells us that the victory belongs to Jesus. And are we out there declaring that victory every day? This isn't to make you feel guilty. But if we're not, we're giving the darkness a free hit. If we're not out there going, hey, stop that, to the darkness, we're letting it have its own way. The only way the darkness is going to stop is when the disciples of Jesus say, stop darkness, stop what you're doing. Take your hands off that person. Take your hands out of that person. I declare healing in Jesus' name there. Take your hands off this nation. This nation belongs to Jesus. Get off it. Leave us alone. You can't have it. That's what we can be doing and we should be doing as disciples of Jesus. Do you disagree with that? Sorry, let me ask it the other way. I'll be a positive. Do you agree with that? Well, then do it. 
We say, yeah, 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 but then when we come against the darkness, we go, what am I going to do here? How do we fix this? Lord, what, what meeting should we go to to fix it? No, declare it. Declare the victory. It's, it's his. Yes. Amen. And we, we agree with that. We say, yes, Lord. And we say to the darkness, you've heard a mother's heart. And we say that that word is found in the truth in Jesus. And you cannot have these boys anymore. Get off them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Let's hear the good reports. Because the Lord is in that. Bless you. The darkness is under our feet. Do you get that? It's under our feet. It's like that cloud I saw under the aeroplane. It's under us. We're above it. We don't live under it anymore. I, I find myself under it every day because the enemy doesn't want me to live above it. He has a shot at me every day. Tells me I'm not good enough. Tells me I should be doing something else. No, I'm doing what I think Jesus called me to do today. If I get it wrong, God will sort it out for me because he loves me. I'm not answering to you, devil. Demon, lying spirit. Because that's what's out there. That's what's trying to have a hold of your heart, my mind, your mind, your heart. Those you love. The sons, the daughters, the grandchildren. The enemy wants them. Because he wants to shut down the kingdom of God advancing. And the kingdom of God advancing is in our care. Our responsibility. When you embrace your commission and walk in it, Jesus' victory comes into the darkness. We get to declare it as the owners of the victory, but not as the owners of the victory. Jesus is the owner of the victory. We are those who are commissioned to declare it. One of the things that the enemy used to do to me was he continued to tell me that, uh, yeah, but look, you're a sinner. And one day I woke up and I go, hang on a minute, I'm not, I'm a saint. Because that's what the Lord calls me now, because I'm in Jesus. And the enemy kept saying to me, oh, but you've done this wrong. I said, that's not going to stop me from telling you that Jesus has beaten you. So I don't let the things that are wrong in my life, according to the enemy, stop me from declaring that Jesus has defeated him. Because Jesus has defeated him. It's got nothing to do with me. I'm just telling him and reminding him to get away and get out of the way. Jesus has won. Does that make sense? But we, try, we get in the middle of the battle and sometimes we think it's, it's our battle and we've got to win it. No, we don't. Jesus has already won it. We're just standing there saying, Jesus has won. Jesus has won. Jesus has won. Ha, ha. Jesus has won. That's the place we're meant to be. That's where we've got to live from. When we're, here we go, jumping around a bit. When we were this morning praying and, and uh, that word and, and the word that Nick had and about there being adequate sufficiency, the Lord just took me to Habakkuk and, and where, you, where you look there and, and, and it really does speak to us. I think I can find it again. Oh, I can probably find it in the Bible. I know it's in here. Um, and um, probably easier on here because I've already looked it up. Um, <clears throat> here we go. Habakkuk 3, and this is in the message. Uh, 
there'd been a, a stripping of everything by the, by the enemy. And, and Habakkuk says, when I heard it, my stomach did flips. I stammered and stuttered. My bones turned to water. I staggered and stumbled. I sit back and wait for doomsday to send on our attackers. Though the cherry trees don't blossom and the strawberries don't ripen, though the apples are worm-eaten and the wheat fields stunted, though the sheep pens are sheepless and the cattle barns are empty, note, I'm singing joyful praise to God. I'm turning cartwheels of joy to my saviour God, counting on God's rule to prevail. Not counting on our circumstances, not counting on what we're in the middle of, but counting on God's rule to prevail. I take heart and gain strength. I run like a deer. I feel like I'm king of the mountain. How cool is that for a transition from being, oh, woe is me. Hey, I'm praising you, Lord, because you're sufficient. You are my everything, which was the other thing that was prayed and declared. You know, suddenly... It's Jesus who's prevailing. Let's, let's, tr let's trust that prevailing in our daily living. I need to. I encourage you to. Two important things float out of the cross. <clears throat> and this is the other part. Being a disciple, Jesus said to the, disciple, to the hearers on the day, the world will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. How are you doing with that? The cross is a picture of unconditional love for us. And when Jesus said a new commandment I give you, he said, love one another. It's John 13, 34, if you want to know that I'm not telling you fibs. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, by the way you love one another. This is a call for us to total unconditional love for others. I think this is one of the big ones that we skim over. But when we take up our cross daily, which is what Jesus asked us to do, we're taking up a reflection of that cross. And that cross is unconditional love for all of the earth. Oh! I think that's, that's it. So if that's that cross and we're told to take up our cross, our cross is to reflect his cross, which is unconditional love for others. I don't do that very well. I tend to have pictures of certain people that, that don't fit my picture of how they're supposed to be for me to love them unconditionally. I do pretty well. Yeah, I do pretty well. But there's sometimes I don't. But the Lord is saying that is what it means to take up your cross daily, every day. Love those around you the way I've loved you, which is without condition. I'll leave that one with you. Jesus calls it denying of self, Matthew 16, 24 to 26. This is our calling as disciples to love people unconditionally. And then the second thing was the resurrection, the victory of Jesus over the brokenness of the cosmos, establishing his kingship and his authority. We are, we are his emissaries into and over the brokenness. We're called to walk in this discipleship relationship as warriors, Soldiers of his army, dealing with the darkness that has the world and its people in its grip. We bring and we declare Jesus' victory over the works of darkness, over the world and over people.
There's a great vineyardism. <clears throat> Your brother is never the enemy, even when he's acting like it. The enemy is the enemy, not your brother. That goes way back to the beginning and it just keeps replaying. Whenever I start to get judgmental, it's like, hang on a second, what's going on here? If your brother is in Christ, then it's the enemy that's working on this. It's not him or it's not her. It's the enemy. Look out for how the enemy will try to suck us into distress and disputes because that's what his game is. He wants to neutralise the loving power of Jesus in our lives. As we embark on a season of refreshing as a church, personally and corporately, these are the two things that I feel like the Lord needs to have us embrace and be recipients of the fuel for refreshing. A fresh commitment to discipleship, a fresh commitment to unconditional love and a fresh commitment to being those who are light bearers for Jesus in the earth. And that means that the darkness can't win. In fact, the darkness is already defeated. That's the part we've got to get into our heads. The darkness is already defeated. He just won't lie down. You know, he keeps popping his head up and you've got to keep cutting it off. But you've got the authority to do that. You know, you do it one day and you think that's done. Well, the enemy doesn't lay down. He keeps coming back. He'll send another way. He'll come around, around the back door. The victory of Jesus is over all of that, though. It doesn't matter what the, the work of the darkness is. Jesus is above it. I'm, I'm quoting you truth here. Now, if you don't feel like you're living in that space, the Lord wants you to step into that space today. Because it's the true space that, you, that Jesus has won for us. And he's saying to us, I'm alive again and I'm commissioning you again and I'm calling you again to go into all the earth and make other people understand or make disciples, help other people to understand that the darkness is defeated. It is not anymore ruling and reigning. I am. When I'm declared. When I'm declared. So, thank you, Lord. Do you want to be de a declarer of the victory and live in that space? If you said yes, stand up. Because I want to pray that we will be bold in that yesness. We are meant to live in that yesness. It's not a, it's not a well, you know, I probably should or shouldn't. It's, this is where we are. This is who we are. I want to just speak the truth over you in love. And have the Lord just give you a, a, a surge of his truth into your hearts today. Because when it hits there, it, our soul, our soul takes on a new dimension of, of, of vigour when we know the truth that lives on us. So Lord, I thank you for everyone in this room. Those that are standing and those that aren't, Lord. I just thank you that everyone in this room has your life power over them. And Lord, your invitation to everyone in this room is to live in the space above the darkness, to stand on your truth and stand in your light. Thank you, Lord, that we are not among those who pull back and are afraid, but we are among those who would step forward boldly in your name and in your victory, Jesus. 
Lord, let us be those who would declare your truth into the darkness every day. Holy Spirit, come and bring the truth into us, into the core of who we are, that we would no longer shrink back, but we would be bold in Jesus. Lord, you've entrusted us with the most awesome, wonderful, powerful truth that will set the world and the people in it free from the bondage and the shackles of the darkness. Thank you, Jesus, that you came and you established everything in the earth before we even knew it. And Lord, your word reminds us again how you have done it. I thank you, Lord, that there is no thing that has been made without you. I just want to read Colossians over you. Colossians verses 15 through 18. We look at this sun and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him, Jesus, and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organises and holds it together. Thank you, Lord, like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything and everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, peoples and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood poured out from the cross and his resurrection. Thank you that that's who you are, Jesus. And we walk in that truth as a church and as people called by you and by your name. Huh. Thank you, Lord.